Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Back from the Brink. I am Todd Brinker. Aaron will be joining us shortly, or actually about the normal height. And uh, we will continue talking about things happening in the world. One of the things that we were talking about was uh, the QAnon folks. They just got banned, a bunch of them, a bunch of Twitter accounts got banned uh, for pushing uh, just some bullying online behavior. Uh, pushing their conspiracy theory that Hillary Clinton is uh, behind a uh, child-worshipping or a Satan-worshipping, child-murdering, deep-state cabal that arose out of Pizzagate, which is where Hillary Clinton was running a pedophilia ring in a pizza shop somewhere in the D.C. area. Um, and I can't for the life of me help but think that that, that sounds just like, you know, Something that a uh, you know thirteen or a sixteen year old boy thought up and went hey get this and they put it out there online and, and it and the world flew with it because the world's gone crazy if you didn't notice uh, and now we're all locked up and so being locked up at home we're going a little crazier it's um, it's uh, hard to believe that um, that the you know if if somebody had asked me you know in December of this year that by July everybody would forget that the president was impeached in January because there would be bigger things, bigger fish to fry, I would have gone, eh, I don't know. That's a pretty big deal. Um, but let me tell you, when people write the history of 2020, that's going to be a, a, uh, a footnote at best that President Trump was... Uh, um, impeached in January because uh, with the upset of our complete society given the things that we're trying to do to manage this virus that has hit us um, you know th that is is unprecedented the type of things that we're trying to do the way we're shutting down our society in order to manage this and one has to think you know we may get back to normal uh, and when I say normal, just meaning that we're not all, you know, hiding in our rooms, uh, in our homes, waiting for uh, news of things to get better, um, going back to regular work and, and, you know, youth sports. I mean, that's a big deal for a lot of kids is the way to get out and exercise and, and organized events. You know, there's been a big shift when I was a kid a lot. I mean, I did some organized sports, but I spent a lot of time just outside hanging out. And nowadays, there's less of that. And the exercise and outdoor time that kids get is in organized sports. And they're all shut down. You know, city parks are closed. City pools and school district pools are closed. Soccer fields are closed. So you can't do any of that stuff. And you feel for these kids that uh, are cooped up and the parents who have to deal with their cooped up kids. Um, you know, you hope that it's a way to get out. But what concerns me is... So we find a vaccine that works and we get people vaccinated and then we kind of go back to our, our regular um, uh, mode of getting through the day and ways of occupying our time. And then another novel virus hits. Now we are in the same boat. Do we have and have we thought about ways to make permanent changes or, or at least a permanent state that we can go into better than shut down. I think there's a lot of companies that are figuring out ways to have people work at home. 
a lot of people are are um, you know have set up makeshift home offices. I mean, some people uh, are lucky enough to have set up an office space that they can go to that's kind of um, separate and away from kids. Or you know, I mean, I have that, but I'm lucky. My kids are are adults. They're they're out of my house, and so. Uh, but even if they were here, I've got a space that I can go to that's kind of separate, um, you know, in the shack out back studios. So, uh, you know, I've, I'm lucky enough to have kind of created that space beforehand. Most people haven't, you know, their, their office is their dining room table. Let's have Aaron join us here. Welcome. Welcome. Hi. Hey there. I was just talking about the fact that, you know, if we do get a, a, a vaccine and get people vaccinated, that what's to say in two or three years we don't get another novel virus? And has anybody really started giving thoughts about, like, what's a permanent way of doing things or at least having a permanent fallback to, like, okay, when we have to be shut down, how we're going to operate? You know, a lot of people are using dining room tables and, and you know, laptops in the living room kind of as makeshift offices. Not many people have a space where they can go and sort of lock themselves away from kids and family and noise. You know, I'm, I'm lucky that I have that space. I, I set it up, you know, prior to COVID, but I also don't have young kids at home. So I don't have to worry about, you know, daddy, daddy and, uh, and daycare and those kinds of things, you know, and today's society, most kids don't just go out and play. They haven't been doing that for a while. So the exercise and their outside time was always through some sort of organized sport, and they're all shut down. Yep, they are. So you've got, you know, cocooned children in your house that are bouncing off the walls, undoubtedly. Uh, you know, and I hope that people are out, you know, riding bikes and walking and doing what you can with your kids, playing in yards if you've got them. Um, you know, but, you know, you as an adult almost have to set aside time to go do that on top of working. I think we're going to find that, you know, if this, as this continues, that working from home doesn't mean 40 hours of a work week. It maybe means, you know, 25 hours of a work week, five hours a day, because the rest of the time you've got to be prepping meals for kids and stuff because you're at home. And, yeah. you know, and occupying your kids and and you know, taking a break from what you're doing to go help them with their homework because everybody's going to be starting back to school online for the most part. Um, you know, and, and, you know, what if, you know, we solve this problem, but there's another one right around the corner. You know, is the, if this becomes sort of a permanent status of we have to deal with diseases floating about, what do we do and how do we manage that? Well, I, and I also think, you know, even even beyond a pandemic, I think a lot of workplaces are going to have smaller offices. So maybe the new office that or the new workspace has has uh, a couple of conference rooms, mm -hmm. maybe um, some workstations. But the majority of your work is done at home because now we've realized that you don't necessarily have to pay for all that commercial real estate for people to work in one space. Right. You know, and yeah. I think that there are at least certain industries where that's going to become the norm. Mm -hmm. Do you think that there may be an adjustment to our 40 hour work week? I know most a lot of places have gone down to more like a 36 hour work week anyway. Do you think that's going to continue to ratchet down a little bit? Well, I, for me, um, it might. I think certainly companies are going to be not for me, but for co companies mm -hmm. are certainly going to be having those internal conversations about 
um, the, the, the right balance to maximize productivity. But I will tell you that um, uh, for me, I'm working a heck of a lot more than 40 hours a week. Yeah. Well, so, there's, there's that issue too, right? Where it's like, I'm here, my work is with me all the time. And so if I'm not uh, actively doing something else, then I'm probably thinking and or doing actively something for work, which means yes. that people aren't, aren't getting a mental break from work. Um, so, you know, I worked, I took a couple of breaks, like 30 minute breaks, but I, uh, I worked until almost 10 o'clock last night. Yeah. You know? And that's not healthy. So, that's not sustainable. Um, no, it's not. And, and you know, we just, it just happens to be a busy time, but I don't know right. that I'm unique in, in, uh, yeah. in working those long hours. Yeah. Well, and let's say that companies do find that, Hey, uh, we understand that you're not going to be available and talking, um, you know, 40 hours a week say we go down to five hours a day where we expect you to be available online and stuff now you're technically working 25 hours a week technically you're probably still doing other work um how does that work legally you know it, now are you a full-time employee anymore so the laws might have to change as well because now they're going to say well you're working at home we're only requiring that you be available 25 hours five hours a day so now you're a part-time employee we're going to drop all your benefits uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't see them dropping down to 25. I think that would take a very large break in the way that we, a l large, a paradigm shift in how we think about uh, the American, how we think about working, right? right? I mean, you know, if they're paying you to be full time, especially since, you know, I'm thinking about exempt employees, they're going to want you to, to be there full time. Yeah, they, well, <laughs> they want the work to be done. The tradition of the American workforce is is that they, you know, it's it's a uh, sort of a usually a uh, a, a, a raise, sort of a step up in in prestige to get a uh, a an exempt position because you're not hourly anymore. You don't punch a clock. But what the expectation of the worker is, or the, or the employer is, is that okay? Now you're paid by the year, not by the hour. So if it takes you, you know. 15 hours a day to get something done we expect you to just get it done yep and so yep. you know from the employee perspective it's like hey i'm now management i'm exempt and and from the employee it's like hey we just got somebody a lot cheaper we got a lot more of that person we'll take one of those people that was doing well and was productive and we will now turn them into a much cheaper employee by paying them a salary instead of hourly and a lot of people, especially when they're new in their career, don't understand that very well. They kind of go like, hey, I got a raise. I got promoted. And it's like, oh, well, kind of, but maybe not. But I have to say, I hate punching a clock. I oh, I do, too. It. I, I do, it, too. To me, it's insulting. It's like I am super productive. I'm going to work overtime. But if you start nitpicking the exact minutes that I'm at work, then you're going to get only what you pay for. That's it. And that's yeah. how, and I do that without being conscious uh, that I'm doing it. But if you start picking at me like you started five minutes late today, and it's like, yeah, but I worked two hours late yesterday. Yeah. You know, so no, I, so I, I, I don't like that. I actually would like, you know, it, I think results only work environments. I think those happen mm -hmm. mostly in the tech world where yeah. I, you don't have to punch a clock um, at all, uh, but I want to see. I want to see product. And if you're yeah. not producing, yeah, you can make your own hours, but if you're not producing, you're gone. Yeah. Well, I know I've related the story of one of my bosses in past saying that uh, he thought I was one of the laziest people he had ever seen, but he meant it as a compliment, which was, uh, you know, you had, to, you had to kind of dig into. It was a very, very um, uh, backhanded compliment. 
uh, in that he had given me assignment to do something that generally took about two days to get done, and he gave me three days to do it. And on the third day, I hadn't started yet, and he then, um, uh, you know, came to me and says, "Why, why aren't you started?" And I said, "Well, I, I think I've kind of figured it out." And I went and did it, and it took me about forty-five minutes to finish it. And and then I came back to him and said, "Okay, here's the new procedure. Here's how this works." <laughs> and said, "Now this takes forty-five minutes." And he goes, and then he looked at me and says, "Yeah, you sat for three days and thought about it and did nothing, nothing." <laughs> and I said, "Yeah, but look at the result. Now this yeah. thing take that used to take two days for somebody takes forty-five minutes." But but you didn't do nothing. You thought about it. Exactly. That's yeah. Doing something. And, and he I, knew. You know, he knew that, yeah. and and he actually, and that's why he gave me the space to sit and think about it for a couple of days because he knew that's the way I approach problems. I don't I don't go do it. I sit down and think, well, what is it we're trying to get done here? How's it got to get done? What are the end results that we need at the back end? Is there a way to do this smarter and better? And he knew that's just how I approach things, and so that's why he gave me the task and the time in the first place. Um, but he was being very sarcastic because that was his nature, and you know that worked for me because it's kind of <laughs> my nature too. Uh, he was from Kentucky. He right. was from Kentucky. The wild and woolly country of Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Louisville. So, I, I think that um, that certainly employers are, are when we, everybody was forced to rethink how they do their, their work. Um, and, and, and sacred cows were thrown out the window simply because, you know, that you, they couldn't do it. I, there are employers who want, who want, regardless of how, productive you may or may not be when you're at work they want to see the butts and seats right mm -hmm. and so um that uh i think that this experience probably fixed that for them you know where they realize that work can indeed be done in in a lot of workplaces uh whether you're physically in the same space or not i will say too though um uh, there is a lot of work that happens around the water cooler right so mm -hmm. you pop into someone's office and say hey can i bounce something off you and you talk things through um and that that kind of spontaneous connection is is missing we actually right. had a conversation in my workplace yesterday about you know we've been having these weekly meetings and and you know people are are they becoming cumbersome and and everybody was unanimous it, i mean everybody said that uh, no, this is this is the only place we connect with each other. We right. can see each other, find out what each other is doing. You know, we need these meetings. And yeah. So, yeah. Sometimes it's just for a sanity break or just a, a hey, you know, here's what I've been working on. I need somebody else just to tell me that, that yeah, this makes sense or, or hey, I've gone off on a tangent that I wasn't aware of. You know, you need yeah. that 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 sort of brain dump time with coworkers, and and so that's zoom has become the method of doing that i know in the ticket tech industry a lot of places that have um dispersed di dispersed uh workforces have used slack as a way of doing that as well even though that's um text-based rather than video-based it's a way right. of sort of holding conversations and chats with coworkers from diverse locations to say what the heck is going on or does this make sense or here's what I spent hours doing did I waste my time <laughs> you know? well I love slack I think slack is genius mm -hmm. we um uh we use it for and we have a distributed team for our mentors of our for our scholarships our scholarship recipients get a mentor for two years um and and they we use slack to communicate with the mentors and it is so easy and so mm -hmm. such a great way to communicate um, I, I think it's wonderful. I love Slack. 
now there are people on my on my in the work team not the mentors but the team who don't really like it so we don't mm-hmm. use it um, except for the mentors but I think it's I think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. I really yeah. like sliced. No, they they they've definitely brought a different approach to the idea of sort of group messaging and conversations and having um, conversations that necessarily aren't synchronous. You can have an asynchronous conversation, people logging in at different times, and they, they can still sort of see the history of it. Um, you know, it's it's sort of like a a, uh, a texting or a Twitter, but it's sort of set up for groups, and you can and you can define who's in each group conversation so that you don't have you know it's not done with the the entire public of the world listening in. And you and, can you can embed Zoom in it. You can oh, connect yeah. your calendars. You can connect you know your your Google Drive or other probably Dropbox too. I don't know, but we use Google Drive, and it's just so great because it's all in one space. Because our email boxes become super cluttered with all kinds of stuff, and um, and sometimes you just like you just need to get to what you need to get to, and if it's all on Slack, you can pick the channel, you can yeah do direct messages, you can I mean I just I love it I think Slack is terrific. Yeah, they actually just um, filed suit against Microsoft for copyright infringement. And in the EU, they filed a complaint against them with the European Commission claiming that it's using its dominant market share to push customers towards Microsoft Teams, basically doing things like saying to Microsoft uh, accounts that if you use Microsoft Teams instead of Slack, we'll give you discounts on Microsoft Office and other tools, whereas if you choose to use Slack, then you have to pay full price, that kind of thing. So bundling, ah. bundling things to take illegal advantage of their power position in other areas. Uh, well, that'll probably work in the EU. I don't know that that anybody will do anything about that in this country. Yeah, yeah, that's why they're filing it in the EU, right? Because if they did that in the U.S., the U.S. would say, "Well, that's kind of the point of them being bigger and stronger is they can." That's right. Flex their Make muscle. Make a better mousetrap if you don't like it. Yeah, well, uh, that's why I think in the U.S. their complaint is that Microsoft has taken some features that they have uh, copyrighted, and and we're going to you know attack you that way and say, hey. You know, you're, you're copying us illegally and stealing our intellectual property. Um, you know, that's the thing, though, that in the U.S., that'll work in the U.S. because intellectual property is something that, that can be defended. But I think that has to be really rethought in the U.S., how our intellectual property rights and what can and can't be um, not only copyrighted but um, uh, patented needs to be rethought a little bit because some of that stuff's a little wonky. And I'm sick to death of, of companies being you know, held back by somebody who bought a patent, has never made anything, and they just go around and, and troll businesses yeah. and say, you owe us money, you know, for this or that or the other. I mean, if you do anything that has anything to do with a phone that uses touch tones, um, there's a company that owns the uh, patent on touch tones, and they've managed to keep it renewed over the years. Uh, from back in the 60s or 50s when it was first filed, and you will get a cease and desist letter from them saying, stop your business unless you pay us this fee. And they've gotten millions and millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars, from virtually everybody who works in the phone industry of any kind, even if you're a small company that you know does specialized voicemail boxes for, for you know keeping track of lost pets or something. You'll get a, a letter from these guys saying, send us money. Wow. Yeah. It's... I, I, do patents, I mean, you know, if you if you make a, a pharmaceutical, um, you have a patent on that pharmaceutical for, I think, 10 years. Yeah. Um, and then after that, maybe it's seven years. And after that, it goes, you're, it's, a, it's allowed to go generic, meaning that right. generic, 
companies that sell, uh, that make generic products can then make it. So it goes off patent. Right. Um, but that doesn't seem to be the case in any other space where it's if supposed you renew to be. your patent. It's, it's supposed a, to it, be. Yeah. What has happened is, is that some of these companies who have made millions of dollars have gone and lobbied and gotten the rules changed so that they can keep extending it. And uh, and essentially, some of these have been extended indefinitely at this point. So it's it's just it's ridiculous. It's out. That's what I'm saying. The whole thing needs to be overhauled because, first of all, you know, I don't think certain things that have been patented should be even patentable uh, in terms of like software and and, yeah. and code. And then secondly, the um, the idea that those those patents. I mean, right now, it's it's very difficult for a Alexander Graham Bell type of guy to come up with an idea because almost anything you're going to come up with is going to have some grounding in some other patent somewhere. And so they're going to say, well, this is just a derivative of patent A or B or C or, you know, all the way to Z. And so, you know, they'll shut down a lot of innovation just because of the way the patents are set up right now. And that's the exact opposite of what they were designed to do. They were designed right. to protect innovation so that you could, you know, make some money off of your idea for a few years before others could then copy it. But that ultimately everything would become public at some point, you know. And and as you pointed out with the, the um, uh, medical industry, that seems to be the case there. But other places, they and I don't know why the medical industry hasn't gotten, you know, indefinite patents as well because it seems like it's it's working everywhere else they need better lawyers i guess but i think the whole <laughs> thing needs to be you know chucked and and well, rethought they what the, what what the pharmaceutical companies have pharmaceutical companies have done is they'll they'll tweak the tweak make a small tweak in whatever right. drug that's going about to go off patent and then yeah. patent that one and and it's something else so you know that's you right. could have you know, insert weird name. Yeah, here. buy Bubzera. Bubzera is the best thing ever. Bubzera will 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 solve all your pro. Wait a minute, Bubzera is going off a path. Okay, Bubzilla. Now buy Bubzilla. <laughs> Bubzilla is the best thing ever. It's better than Bubzera. Buy Bubzilla. You know, and and they and they play that game all the time. Yeah, yeah, we've all seen it, right? It's like yes. Warning: Bubzera and Bubzilla may cause insert everything you can imagine that's awful here. Uh, <laughs> probably going to get cancer, tuberculosis, and rectal oozing, but yeah. it is the best thing since sliced bread. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I was using Bobzilla, and then I changed to Bobzilla, and man, I feel so much better. <laughs> you know, I started, I don't know this when the shutdown was just getting started, Tobin and I started watching kind of like midday television because um, we can get a couple of channels from our from our um, antenna, and um, That's every terrifying. single ad was some <laughs> sort of some sort of medical ad. So it was either a diabetes treatment or a high blood pressure treatment or <laughs> and you got whatever. the fast talking guy at the end of the end of the yes. commercial. <laughs> <laughs> like sixty to seventy percent of the of the ad are the side effects. Yeah, it's like whoa. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like it's 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 hard to even make fun of it because it's become such such a meme over the years of the the ridiculousness of the advertising of of drugs that you can't yeah you have to go get a prescription so you're gonna walk into your doctor and say I think I have this I want that I want you know? Bubzilla. <laughs> Apparently, that's what people do is they go in and say I don't want Bubzilla anymore I want Bubzilla. It's better. So it's better. Yes, it's better. Brando. It has electrolytes. 
That's perfect. I've got to rewatch that. We've been talking about it recently. I've got to go watch. You know, I rewatch Idiocracy every once in a while, and uh, and yeah, I'm due. I'm just due. That movie's you know, awesome. And the thing about it is that, um, you know, the doctors are, are left, like, they want to please the patient, and they want to make the visit short, but they don't want to give them something that's that's not not yeah. good for what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to hurt you, but, yeah, whatever you want, yeah. fine. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> my, my, exactly. My, my medical degree, no, I don't have a medical degree, but their medical degree is still worth more than the ad you saw on television. It's still worth more than the, than the quote, research, unquote. Well, and they actually are looking Google. at you. They, you know, the guy who makes the commercial has no idea who you are. Your doctor knows you. They know what you yeah. might need and what you actually are experiencing. You can talk to them and say, this hurts, doc. And the doctor will go, don't do that. Um, <laughs> it hurts when I do this, doc. Well, then don't do that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's a guy who came into his doctor's office with a little yellow bird on his head. And he gets in there and says, doc, what's wrong? And he says, I don't know. There's this guy stuck to your butt. Um, so... <laughs> So anyway, yeah, um, um, yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's just you know like everything else in 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 the world today, life it can get kind of bizarre if you let it spin out of control. And every once in a while, you need to put two feet on the ground, take a deep breath, and go, okay, what's next? You know, just just let's like just take the next thing on, do one thing at a time. You'll get to the end of the day. You'll be there with family and loved ones. And if you don't have family and loved ones, then I, I feel bad for you. But that, too, shall pass. You will get family and loved ones at some point if you just become a social, nice, relevant, and normal human being. Whatever that yes. means today. <laughs> whatever that means yes. today. You know, you know, one of the most important lessons we learn in childhood is that in order to have friends, you have to be a friend. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's part of growing up and any parent worth his salt will call a kid out when a kid's being a jerk and they learn that if I want to have friends then I have to be friendly if I want somebody to be there for me I have to be there for somebody else and uh -huh. that's what creates um, relationship that's what breeds trust and then you know emotional intimacy because um, uh, you know and that obviously works in a marriage as well you know kids don't naturally come to that they have to they have to learn that when they're little i mean like we're toddlers no you can't whoa 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 you mean i have to be nice to other people you do you can't be a jerk Jeez. and expect people to be nice to you man you know for some for some people that's a hard lesson <laughs> it's hard work it some hard people work. It, it's hard to be nice to some people <laughs> it's true but you do you have to be nice yeah and you know a good friend and a good parent and a good whatever will tell you when you're not being nice and will tell you when what you're doing comes off wrong. And yeah. then you've got to apologize. Yeah. And try to saying. do better. And when you fail the next time, then you try to do better. You know, I mean, it's that's that's the what it is, right? It's it's the forgiving the failures and, and, and trying to do better. Um, yes. You know, that's human and being interaction. That's about human it. nature. Yeah. It's it, it that's that's what it means to be part of society, and it's it's yes. not not always easy. It, it sometimes takes some work. You know? Oh yes, yeah. So, um, you know that story of the judge in Michigan who was, um, uh, they, they the she answered the door or her husband answered the door, and there was a gunman there, and he shot the husband and the and the son, and the son was was killed. Do you remember this story? Did you hear about this story? This is just recent. 
Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, apparently there's a San Bernardino County um, connection to that. I actually so. knew that, 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 that they think that, he's, that he somehow came out here prior to that and killed somebody else, right? Yes, yes. So Roy Den Hollander is a suspect in the shooting attack at the home of a New Jersey federal judge. He was, a, he was linked by authorities on Wednesday to the July 11th slaying of attorney Mark Angelucci or Angelucci near Crestline with uh, travel tickets between New York and California, part of the evidence. Um, Angelucci and Dan Hollander were each involved in a men's rights movement, but the head of a men's rights group who both knew, who knew both said rather, uh, Angelucci was a focused litigator while self-described anti-feminist Dan Hollander was a hot-headed outlier in the movement who was jealous of Angelucci. Uh, so uh, Rhonda Kennedy, a Ventura County attorney who was co-counsel with Angelucci, said she was told Wednesday by two San Bernardino County sheriff's detectives that Hollander had travel tickets to California. So WNBC in New York reported it had learned they were train tickets and that Dan Hollander made a New York-California round trip. The television station also reported that a possible hit list was found in Den Hollander's car. So that is really scary. He apparently showed up with his face covered in a FedEx uniform. So, and that was similar to the suspect in the Angelucci case. Um, it, with a face covering and a FedEx uniform, not a face covering of a FedEx uniform. Oh, did I say of? Uh, well, you said he, face covered uh, of, a, of a, yeah, I think that at least that's how I heard okay, it. Okay, I did not, I did not yeah. mean that and, yeah. and. And yes, yes. He was yeah. not wearing a, a FedEx uniform on his face because most people would look out their door and go, ah! That's weird. Exactly. No, no, no. <laughs> not wore, opening the he, door. Yeah. Yes. So the apparently so the, the authorities in New Jersey are now um, uh, working with San Bernardino County authorities to, to, to get this case pieced together. And I, yeah. and I know that the guy committed suicide, but, you know, they need to find out, was he working with anybody? Yeah. Who financed him? If they, you know, what... Sounds like he was happened. kind of a, a sick, sad person, this Roy Den Hollander guy, and yeah. uh, and obviously he he did some horrible things, um, and then took his own life. And yeah, I mean, if there's anybody else involved behind this, then um, uh, then they certainly need to track them down and, and hold them accountable. I suspect that this was a guy who who was losing grip with reality and went and did some things that that a right thinking person wouldn't do. Yeah. Um, you know, and so uh, and unfortunately, you know, I mean, that's, you know, he was part of a fringe group. And that's not surprising because those kinds of groups are going to be attractive to people who aren't thinking right. You know? Yes. Yeah. And it's sad that that men's rights groups are fringe. And I say this because yeah. there is a need. I, I have to tell you that there there is a need for men's rights groups um, when fathers are not. Um, considered essential, which they were mm -hmm. not for for many decades in family law. That that mothers very often got full custody, and, and they made it difficult for fathers to be able to see their kids. Um, you know, there's lots of the lots of stories about family courts not taking not seeing the needs of men as being the same or as equal to seeing the needs of women in custody cases. Right. And um, yeah, you know, so the I assumption that, that that raising children required a mother, but not a father, somehow. Yes. Yeah. You know. Yes, which is insane. Well, I didn't mean to imply that a you know men's rights group was a fringe group. What I'm saying is is that he was on the fringes of that group. That there are fringe groups, you know, within 
uh, larger groups very often. And yes. so if you have an organization well, that's a men's rights organization, there might be some people within that that are members of, you know, QAnon. Exactly. No, I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are. So, um, yeah. and, and I get that, that, that people who feel disenfranchised will join these groups and channel their anger in, mm -hmm. the less, than, in less than productive ways. I get that. I just didn't want to, to blanket say that there was no need for right. uh, men's rights groups because there, there are. I, I, people, um, pe well, as, as a member of the gender, I appreciate your acknowledgement. Yeah, I, I, you are absolutely critical in the lives of your daughters. Because you've taught them how what to expect from the men that they're going to end up marrying. What to expect. who else would they roll their eyes at and go, Dad? Exactly. They no, gotta have some. <laughs> yes, but but you are absolutely critical in their lives, and I, you know, yeah. we we had, a, and I know things have changed now, but when I was a kid, you know, people didn't understand how important fathers were. They really right. just discounted. They saw them as breadwinners, and that was about it. No, no, right. no, 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 no. Yeah, Parent, parenting dad. works better when there's a, a two-person team, whether they're, uh, you know, gender irrespective. There's multiple roles there in raising a child, and, and it's helpful for children to see, you know, two adults regularly who, uh, who provide different perspectives, and then you get the opportunity to see as they're growing up how um, disagreements are handled, how, uh, how uh, caring and affection is expressed, um, just all kinds of things that you get when you have um, uh, a family unit that, that is functioning as opposed to uh, a broken family unit. That's not to say that you can't become a great, wonderful person in broken family units as well, but you miss something. Well, yeah, and, there's, and there's, uh, there are consequences. I, even in, mm -hmm. you know, I have seen uh, co-parenting situations where the, the parents are divorced, but both sides are supportive in, in how they're raising their, ch their child. If they have disagreements right. not in front of the children, you know, and they are, mm -hmm. are they're not, um, they don't disparage the other uh, parent right. in front of the kids, that kind of stuff. So yeah. there's that, Or even if they have a disagreement, well. they can be in front of the children. They show the children how it's resolved without being ugly. Exactly. You know, behave exactly. like an adult and be an example for your kid so your kid understands that, hey, look, this is, you know, the marriage wasn't working, but we're still care. We still care about you. And, you know, if I said yes and she said no or, or he said yes and he said no, um, that, you know, you understand that when you go to the other parent because you didn't get the answer, you like the answer is no. <laughs> Because exactly. every, every kid does that at, at least sometime in their life where they're like, yes. oh, mom said no, I'll check with dad. And if mom and dad find our, it. Yeah. Oh, oh, you, in go our ahead. house, it was the other way around. It was, you know, dad, his, his default answer was no. So they always came to mom first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I that was the teacher in him. I don't know. I'd have to ask my daughters if they had a default as to one to go to. I think they figured I was kind of a pushover most of the time. But not always. There were times, too, where I was just like, nope, I'm tired. I ain't doing it. And uh, and she would go like, yeah, come on. Let's get up. Let's go. Let's go do whatever. Let's get this. Or, you know. Uh, so I yes. think they, they had to read the situation to decide who was the person to go to. But there was times when they would go to parent A and not get the answer they want. So then they'd go to parent B. And they learned fairly early on that if we found out they had done that, they were not only going to get absolutely no, but also punishment for trying to play that game. Yes. You know, so it's like, yeah. nope, 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 nope. You got an answer. That's your answer. You don't. Yeah. Uh, don't like being manipulated. Thank yeah. you very much. If you pick the wrong parent to ask the first time out, that's on you. 
<laughs> develop your develop your parent reading skills better. Yeah. Oh, that makes me laugh. Yeah, you know, so. honestly, that's the truth, though. I mean, it really is. That's what it boiled down to. You know, and it, it's the same type of skill of learning how to read people, right? It's learning how to to uh, if you get a teacher that you don't care for in school, but you got to still get a grade in this class. You got to figure out well what it is they want and how they're going to teach that class. And it, sometimes right. what they want, you don't agree with. You don't think that's the right way to teach a class. You don't think you're learning very well. Doesn't matter. You still got to please that teacher to get the grade. You know, and yep. And so that's a skill, and you got to learn to deal with it. It is. It is. So at the end of the terrestrial radio show on KCAA, you started talking about this couple that uh, that's on house arrest. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think before we went to one of our breaks, I started, and then we came back oh, and we went on to something else. But something uh, else, yeah. But uh, so yeah. Talk about that. There's a Kentucky couple that was placed under house arrest and fitted with ankle monitors after the woman tested positive for coronavirus but wouldn't sign documents pledging to self-quarantine and notify the health department whenever she went anywhere, according to reports. Elizabeth Linscott of Hardin County got tested for COVID-19 last week because she was getting ready to go visit her parents and grandparents in Michigan. And she thought, hey, maybe it's a good idea. My grandparents want to see me, um, but maybe I should go get tested just to be sure. Um, and she figured if she tested negative, then at least, you know, she'd know she was negative before she traveled up there. Um, you know, you're dealing with elderly people. That's that's probably a very conscientious thing to do. However, she tested positive, even though she had no symptoms. So uh, so she canceled her plans to travel. She went back home. Short time later, she was contacted by County Health Department asking her to sign a document stating that she would not travel anywhere without first calling the health department. She decided she wouldn't sign the document. She said, you know, it, it was a self-isolation and controlled movement agreement order. Or, and, and she just said, no, for my part, if I have to go to the ER or if I need to go to the hospital, I'm not going to wait to get approval to go. Um, I, you know, I'll take the necessary precautions if needed, and, and I'll let workers know that I have tested positive for COVID. But I'm not going to go sign some piece of paper that they say I, they want me to sign. So a couple days after refusing to sign the paper, um, Hardin County Sheriff's Department arrives at her house. Her husband says, I opened up the door and there was like eight people with five different cars parked out front. I'm like, what the heck's going on? A guy in a suit and masks come marching in and they've got three papers, one for her, her husband, and her daughter. The law enforcement, enforcement officials order the couple to wear ankle monitors, which notify officials if either of them travel more than 200 feet. Now, Elizabeth said, we didn't, we didn't rob a store, we didn't steal anything, we didn't do a hit and run, we didn't do anything wrong. She also says that she never refused to self-quarantine. That's exactly what the director of health uh, told the judge, though, was that she was refusing self-quarantine. And she says, I never said that. She says, they lied. Nobody even told me they were taking it before a judge. They just went to a judge and said, I refuse to self-quarantine. She says, I did not say I wouldn't self-quarantine. I said I wouldn't sign that document. Hmm. Something well, and because I, and I don't blame her for not wanting to sign the document because, you know, it, it, how long is it enforced? How I, you know, I, yeah. I, that is a serious. That's giving up your rights because you got sick. Right. And I wouldn't want to do that. I probably wouldn't go anywhere. I'm right. sure I wouldn't go anywhere. Well, but and no, I'm, I'm not going to sign away my right to be a free free person because I got sick. Right. And if you sign this document with the the local government, and then you you know say you have to go down to the emergency room and you didn't call in first before you traveled. Then they have every right to say, well, you broke your agreement. We're going to now put you in jail. You know, right. it's like, I why am I, either. 
yeah, why do I have to sign a piece of paper when I got sick? You know, if I've had the flu, which is also contagious and people die of every year, I, you don't make me sign a document before, you know, I, I don't get it. I don't understand the reason for making them sign the document. I certainly don't understand the reason uh, for going to a, um, to a judge other than if they're trying to, you know, scare the daylights out of other people in the area to say, hey, if you're testing positive, you better lock yourself down and not go anywhere. Yeah, um, it's just it, weird. It, this seems like very strong, strong arm, brown shirt taxi, tactics. It would be like somebody who's you know from the government showing up um, without wearing any particular identification as to who they are and tell you what you have to do. Hmm. Yes. Welcome yes. to Portland. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, that's that's just a little brown shirty for me. I don't, I don't like that. And so yep. I wonder. Um, uh, I wonder, can she can she claim habeas corpus? Can she because I mean they give these ankle monitors to people who have been convicted of something, right? And so you know, uh, and she seems like prior has, restraint. Le- I mean, yeah. literally prior restraint. Yes. So I don't understand. Yeah, I, I wonder. I'm sure obviously somebody is going to defend her. Right. Um, so I'm sitting in my car as I always am at the you know while we're doing the podcast. Uh, because, um, you know, it's nice and, and it's nice outside. And I had my, my car door open and my cat just hopped in my lap. Oh, it's in mama's <laughs> home. <laughs> oh, so for those of you all who are listening, he is a, he's a black cat. His name is Pharaoh and he's wonderful. <laughs> Pharaoh is a loving kitty cat. Every time he I come is. and visit, I, I can't sit down in your house without Pharaoh running over and jumping on me. That's right. He's like, yeah. oh, now you're here to love me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pharaoh's my buddy. Now, sometimes if, if, if you're there, if, you, if you're sitting there, like if I'm over and I'm visiting Tobin, Pharaoh stays with me. If you're there, he'll come over and, and get some attention. Then he goes back to mama. But, you know, he, he knows where his bread is buttered. But, uh, but uh, yeah, he's a sweetheart. I get my fix of kitty cat when I come over and visit. <laughs> and I get my fix of puppy dog when I go visit you. <laughs> Yeah. Pets are wonderful. Pets are just, they bring joy you know, to your life. They make the lockdown a lot easier. They it, really it, do. I, I want to say, you know, it's, it's ridiculous how much uh, we have conversations about and to our animals um, during this time. But, uh, but, you know, just having them there uh, has made lockdown easier, you know? You really have. Yeah. Yeah. It, it it has. I mean, you know, they're just they're just wonderful. Yeah. And I fun wonder if and like cuddly. pet adoptions has gone up. Actually, I think it has. I remember when the lockdown first started, mm-hmm. we saw these articles about the shelters emptying out. People are getting pets because they knew they were going to be at home, and and um, and so yeah, I think that more people have adopted pets um, because they want, especially you know, if you live alone and you don't have a critter. Oh my gosh, that would mm-hmm. be so hard. Oh, can you imagine? Yeah, I mean, it would just be to come, you know, sitting by yourself in an empty room all the time and, you know, just having something fuzzy saying, hi, you're home. It's so good to see you, you know, and, and, and yeah. that's the wonderful thing about like, I mean, you just drove home and, and, and your, your cat recognized you were there and said, hey, I can go over and say hi, you know, that's they're just, mama. They're, they're social <laughs> animals, you know, dogs run in packs and they, and, and so, you know, you come home and, and I mean, you. You can take the trash out and come back in, and your dog is excited as if you'd been gone for a week, and they're thrilled to see you and happy, and they will greet you. 
I remember as my daughters got older, when I was little and I would get home from work, or when I was little, when they were little, <laughs> and I would get home from work, you know, they would yell, Daddy's home, and they would run to greet me as I came in the front door. And that faded as they started to get a little bit older. You know, it was like, okay, Dad's home, big deal. Um, <laughs> not that they didn't still love me and care about me, but, you know, it was like... Uh, they it were teenagers. It wasn't, well, it happened well before teenage years even. But, they, you know, they get to a point where kids, you know, it's like, okay, the excitement of you coming home every day is no longer anything new and novel. Um, for your dogs and cats, that's new and novel for their entire life. And so, yeah. um, you know, in, unless they are just absolutely... Uh, dead asleep and 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 that happens once in a while depending on the time if they're they're out but you i've got three puppies and so um usually one of them will acknowledge that i'm there and come trotting over and wagging his tail and happy to see me one of them's a little barky about it but the other two are just happy to see me and they come you know as you come in the door they're going oh oh i'm so happy to see i'm so happy Daddy's to see home. Daddy's yeah home. you know and it's just like oh that just makes you feel so good just makes you feel good <laughs> Ah, yeah. Yeah. In fact, I will get that as as I get up and leave the show and leave the shack out back and go inside. I haven't been inside for a couple hours. And one, if not two or three, will all come over to me and say, yay, he's here. Or occasionally they'll be like sacked out on the couch next to my wife and I'll come in and they'll lift up their heads and go, you coming over to pet us? <laughs> We're feeling pretty lazy today, but, you know, we'll uh, appreciate it if you come over and give us some attention. <laughs> Which, okay, they're getting older. I get that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I get that. So on that happy note, we are out of time. We are. So uh, go pet a puppy today. Go pet a kitty cat. Have a wonderful day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. I'm Todd Brinker. I'm Erin Brinker. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you.